Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio on this Wednesday evening. It is one minute after the hour. I'm Terry Clark with BamaMag.com, joined as always by my co-host, Rudy Armand of AlabamaIntel.com. And back in the studio, manning the controls, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And Drew, uh, Alabama 52, Southern Miss 12, uh, pretty much what we expected on all counts after somewhat of a sluggish start. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was a little bit of a sluggish start giving up a field goal in the first series, but you know I felt like Blake and the offense answered back and uh, played well throughout. I thought he once again you know played at a high level and played was very efficient. Did not turn the football over, moved the team, which is basically our quarterback's job. And uh, I just feel like in three weeks he's done quite a bit, uh, you know, to, to solidify himself as the guy. Uh, only had two turnovers, one in each of the first two games, but did not turn the football over against Southern Miss. And I really like the the direction of the offense carry. I like a lot of the bootlegs, and I, I felt like he made plays with his feet when he could. And he just brings a dimension to the offense that hasn't been there in the past, and it makes them much more difficult to defend in some ways. And I think, uh, this is just one man's opinion, but I think when you look at the two quarterbacks, Blake Sims and Jake Coker, Mm-hmm. I think that Sims has come further just since the first game in the area of game management. Yeah, I, I think he's getting better and better and more and more comfortable, you know, each each day. And I think it's, he's just done a great job. And uh, I, I'm really just looking forward to, you know, with the step up in competition. And this will be by far the best defense Alabama's seen. I'm just looking forward to see, you know, what uh what what Blake can do against someone like that? Well, I'm just uh, glad I don't have to read any more articles <laughs> about Amari Cooper matching up with Vernon Hargrave. Vernon Hargrave, man, I mean, really? I mean, does every publication that covers Alabama have to have a story about that? Well, I you know, I I haven't written one on my site. It's just it, it, it it's self-explanatory. I just let kind of the player interviews uh tell that story but uh you know it's going to be fascinating to watch but alabama's got other weapons now you know uh it's kind of funny you know now that you hear last year it was how come you know amari's not touching the ball 10 times per game now that he is it's like why isn't everybody else touching it so i just think it's kind of interesting uh the way things are spun in a way but I think Alabama's got a lot of weapons. I think uh, Florida, you know, they were somewhat impressive against Kentucky uh, Saturday night, Kerry. But I thought they, you know, I, there's been a lot of consternation about Alabama's secondary. But I thought Florida's, frankly, uh, besides Vernon Hargraves, looked like hot garbage. And here's so, uh, the thing. 
Well, and obviously, if you if you have to go to triple overtime to beat Kentucky at home, mm-hmm. you, you got far more issues than who your starting corner is. But here, but here, but let's why don't we look at the Bizarro side of the flip side of the equation? Uh, what with, with with Eddie Jackson apparently still hobbling a little bit, mm-hmm. and Tony Brown working with the ones today. Uh, who the heck does Alabama put on Demarcus Robinson? Well, I, I think I, I think Eddie Jackson's going to play and play a lot, Kerry. I think he'll get the majority of the work there. I know they said Tony Brown is going to play a lot, quite a bit as well. And that's encouraging. Uh, you know, he would have be more encouraging if he was playing for Cyrus. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I think I, I think Eddie is still going to play quite a bit in the game. I, I think, from what I understand today from reading the practice reports and everything. He I know they held him out a little bit yesterday, but I think he was he was going full speed today and they need to get Tony Brown in there. You know, he needs to continue to gain confidence and uh, and do and do the right things and off the field to continue to gain the trust of the coaches, but I think he's too talented not to play, but I I think Eddie will draw uh, the assignment of playing against Robinson most of the time, uh, you know, and if the injury flares up, you'll see Tony Brown and you'll see Cyrus Jones taking some. But I think it'll, the majority of it will be Eddie Jackson. I think he's Alabama's best corner. He has the size to be able to cover the young man. And that matchup has not really been talked about because everybody's too busy talking about Hargraves and Amari. But the Eddie Jackson-Robinson uh, matchup is very important as well. Alabama needs to – to be honest, I think they will bracket uh, Robinson, make someone else beat you, especially with the tight end being out for the season, McGee. Uh, I look for Alabama to to, uh, to to bracket Robinson, and then you've got to load up and stop the run with the two big backs, with Jones and, and Taylor, and uh, you just got to be able to – you're not going to completely shut down Florida's running game, I don't believe, but I think you can definitely slow it down. And uh, if you can keep them to under four yards per carry, not allow them to control the clock, I still am of the opinion Jeff Driscoll is not going to beat you by himself. I agree with that. And I'm, before we bring our first guest on, I'm also of the opinion, Drew, that uh, there are a couple of factors to look at. Let's say that Hargreaves has a game of his life and just shuts down Amari. And that, right. not, not all that likely. But let's say it happens. I think this week with the return of D. White and hopefully uh, the more involvement of Christian Jones uh, and maybe the emergence of O.J. Howard – I think you're going to see some passes this week to other people not named Amari that you haven't seen before. Well, you know, our our, our next guest uh, who's fixing to come on will definitely go into that, and I know he has some de- uh, some excellent insight and opinions on it. But uh, we are honored uh, once again to welcome my colleague uh, at Alabama Intel, former Alabama offensive lineman William Redfish Barger to the program tonight. William, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Drew. How about you and Carrie? Y'all doing all right? Yeah, we're doing okay, man. Uh, we we are just getting ready to break down the first real test of the Alabama season, though West Virginia was was a good football game. And uh, I guess this has got to be the favorite time of the year for a lot of people. You know, the talk kind of ends, and you finally get a chance to, to crank it up in SEC play. And we I guess we just want to get your thoughts uh, right away on what you think the keys to the matchup are. Well, you know, to me, it's my my key matchup is probably the one that's going to be talked about the least. I mean, you know, everybody's going to talk about Amari and Vernon Hargraves and, um, you know, student versus uh, teacher and Muschamp and Saban. Um, 
you know, Blake Sims, you know, what's he going to do if, if Vernon Hargrave is able to, you know, press Amari at the line and take away the cheap stuff that they've gotten away with in the first three ball games. But to me, you know, this game sets up identical to the 2011 Alabama-Florida matchup where, you know, a lot of the, the media people kind of, you know, labeled it as a signature win for A.J. McCarron. And, uh, you know, if you go back and look at the numbers in that game, A.J. completed 12 passes for 140 yards. Um, you know, if that was a signature win, the signature was kind of short. Um, you know, the, the MVP of that ball game was Chance Warmack and, and Trent Richardson. Um, and I think that's going to be the key matchup for Alabama in this ball game. Um, and it's one that I'm very, you know, intrigued and interested to see how it's going to play out. Um, you know, can, you know, Cameron Robinson hold up against Dante Fowler, um, you know, the rest of the Alabama offensive line? I think if, you know, you, you, you know, they go to commercial break or, you know, you go to the refrigerator and get a cold drink and come back in, you know, and halfway through the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, if you look and, and see that Alabama's rushed for 150 yards, um, then, then they're probably going to win the ball game and win it going away. They struggle to establish the run, and you know a ton of pressure is put on Blake Sims and Amari Cooper and you know the rest of the the skill players. Then, then I think Florida's got a fighting chance in this ball game. Um, you know, I heard what you and Kerry were saying, you know, before you brought me on, and I agree with you. I, I'm I'm just not convinced that you know Jeff Driscoll. Um, is capable of, of carrying a team on his shoulders. Um, and, you know, if he has his, you know, Steven Garcia moment, um, I'll be surprised just based on what I've seen out of him in the past. But, you know, to me, you know, taking Blake Sims and Amari Cooper and Vernon Hargraves and everything else out of the equation, um, it's, it's can, you know, Alabama's offensive line establish a run game um, you know, I don't really care how the, the carries are distributed. You know, T.J. Yeldon is, you know, a little bit gimpy. Derrick Henry is a little bit gimpy. Um, but, you know, you, you guys both know as well as I do, Alabama's got plenty of running backs that they can stick back there to get those carries. But to me, it's going to be, you know, can they establish a ground game and, you know, get that, you know, 150-yard production that if you go back and research – you know, through the Nick Saban era, you know, they're they're almost undefeated and dominant when that takes place. I think they've either lost – I think they may have only lost one time in his tenure since 2007 if they've rushed for 150. And I want to say that it may have been the one time that they lost, may have may have either been an L, either the, one of the LSU losses or uh, Texas A&M. Forgive me on that. I don't have it in front of me, but – they have some kind of obscene record when rushing no, for 150 I know, yards. I know, one of the, I know one of the games, Drew, was that, you know, first matchup in 2011 versus LSU. Yeah, LSU. Yeah, I think there, there may there have been that, yeah. Be, there might be one, you know, other game floating around out there, but it's it doesn't go beyond two games. William, I'm glad you brought up the part about the importance of the offensive line regarding the running game because – I, I got to tell you, William, um, the the Alabama nation of internet coaches uh, <laughs> that that get on their DVR and grade games like they were a real coach, 
they have proclaimed that Shank Taylor is better than Leon Brown, yet Leon continues to get the first-team reps. Why don't you elaborate on what you've seen from both those two young men as of late? Well, you know, Kerry, I think since, you know, they, they – uh, the, the DVR All-Americans, you know, got their hearts broken. And, you know, Drew and I spent a lot of time talking about this, you know, back in the spring. You know, their their whipping boy, you know, all throughout the 2013 season was Ari Kwanja. And, you know, I know Drew and I both got, you know, inundated all spring practice and all summer long. You know, who's going to replace Ari? Who's going to replace Ari? And, you know, every practice and every scrimmage I went to, I would tell Drew, look, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be the starter versus West Virginia, but I can tell you this, you know, him and Ryan Kelly are the only two players that have taken all of the first team reps um, through through spring practice and all of fall camp. And I do think that Mario Cristobal, you know, had the right guard spot circled as, you know, an area that, that he wanted to upgrade. Um, you know, I know that he kind of feels like Leon is is more of a finesse guy at the point of attack, and with what you know, Coach Cristobal wants out of an interior offensive lineman, that that's not something that that he's very um, you know attracted to. And you know, I really feel like they had, had kind of penciled in Dominic Jackson at that spot, but you know, his his high ankle sprain that he suffered um, in the first scrimmage. You know, I think kind of caused them to scrap those plans. You know, in the in the short term, um, you know, I think Leon's going to start this weekend. Um, and again, you know, I heard y'all talking about the Tony Brown Eddie Jackson debate. You know, when we first came on the show, um, but you know, I think you have to circle um, next week is is when the if there are going to be changes made from a personnel standpoint. I think they'll be made, you know, post-Florida before Ole Miss during the off week. You know, the coaching staff will have a chance to, you know, look how, look at what everybody's done in the first four ball games. They'll have, a, you know, an expanded amount of time to, you know, practice the guys and see who can do what. Um, I'm a little bit baffled, just like you guys are, um, with the fact that Leon is still the, the first-team right guard based on the number of, you know, both mental and physical errors that I've seen him make in, in the first three ball games. I was a little bit surprised, um, you know, with, with Alphonse Taylor, you know, taking all the first-team reps um, for at least two weeks leading up to the West Virginia game that, that Shaq didn't start, you know, that game. Um, but, you know, we, we have these mystery uh, questions and head scratchers, I guess, on an annual basis of different positions. And right now, I think the right guard spot, um, you know, certainly is is the the weak link along that Alabama offensive line. And, you know, it's my hope, and hopefully, you know, maybe Leon's been hurt. You know, maybe that foot injury that he suffered this summer has, you know, slowed his progress and, uh, you know, caused him not to be able to play at the level that he normally can play. But, I would agree with you, Kerry. I think it's been a head scratcher. And, you know, now that Dominic Jackson is 100%, um, I think Alphonse Taylor um, has played some pretty consistent ball when he's gotten the opportunity to get in there and get reps and games. 
And I think that's probably one that you do need to circle and keep your eye on. Maybe not for Saturday, but between Saturday and when they go to Oxford to play Old Miss in two weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree with Kerry and, 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 and you, Fish, 100%. I, I'm a, I am a little bit, you know, baffled, too, about the whole, you know, Leon Brown-Shank-Taylor deal. I, just by what I see with my eyes, I mean, Leon's the only one to be getting penalties. And on the on the second down and two, you know, in the, during the Southern Miss game, they tried to run Derrick Henry, and he got blown up. I, you know, maybe it's he's practicing well. I'm not sure about that. And you know, I thought Shank played well in the opportunities that he's, you know, had to play in, in games, and he didn't get penalized. But it's just it's, it's going to be interesting. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how they play Saturday, and then where they take it in the bye week. But uh, I also wanted to get your take, William. On uh, it seems that well, obviously Eddie Jackson does have a quad issue. I think he's going to be close to 100% healthy, but it looks like Tony Brown is finally starting to gain the trust of the coaching staff and is going to play more and more, and I think you and I are not surprised. He's an elite talent, but give your take on what this means in the secondary for Alabama and what role you see Tony playing. Well, I've actually reached out to some sources, um, you know, in the last 24 hours that, you know, we're there for the, the media viewing period because, you know, there's nothing that Nick Saban loves more than doing, you know, as far as, you know, propping a guy up like Tony Brown, saying that he's mm-hmm. going to play a lot. I mean, I've actually been at practices before where, you know, there were four or five guys in black jerseys that were on the exercise bike and, um, you know, doing uh, uh, flexibility exercises with the strength and conditioning staff. And the minute that the uh, – the media leaves practice, you know, a, a equipment manager rolls out a, um, you know, a suitcase on wheels, so to speak, and all of a sudden they take their black jerseys off and put crimson and white ones back on. And I'm not so sure that that's not the case with the, you know, the Eddie Jackson, Tony Brown thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to find out, um, if not tonight, first thing in the morning, um, if that's not the case, I'm not totally convinced yet that, that Tony Brown is going to start Saturday. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not either. I agree. When, when, you know, when you have a, a traumatic injury like he had with the ACL, and especially in the, you know, the quick time frame that he's come back, you know, sometimes, um, you know, because you're, you're pushing your body and, and the recuperation process is expedited, you know, sometimes there's, you know, collateral injuries that take place because of that. Um, you know, normally if you've got a quad injury, it's because you've gotten a, you know, a contusion, you know, a knee, an elbow, or a helmet, you know, to the quad muscle. Um, yeah. That might, you know, you know, even magnified with, you know, what he had with the ACL. Um, but like you said, I think Tony Brown is a guy that's, you know, I kind of, liking him in the same light as Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, he's got all the ability in the world when you get him out there on the field, you know, in, in game situations. You, you just have to, you know, when you turn the lights off, when you turn your lights off in the Mount Moore complex at night and go home, you have to say a small prayer before you go to bed, just hoping that Kenyon and Tony don't do something stupid off the field while nobody's watching. And, those are the only two things, in my opinion, that can keep either one of those two players from being, you know, two of the best players in college football um, this year, in my opinion. 
um, you know, in Tony and Kenyon's case. Um, but they're they're both just so talented at what they do. Um, you know, I'm, I still think that, you know, regardless of his draft status and what kind of draft grade he gets, I think Kenyon's gone in January. And, uh, you know, Tony Brown's got a, got a chance to be, you know, in my opinion, the most dominant, you know, boundary corner since D. Milner down in Tuscaloosa. William, uh, if you were a betting man and you had Ty Flournoy Smith getting the first reception and Brian Vogler getting the first <laughs> touchdown from the tight end group, you would have lost a lot of money. Uh, is this the week, in your opinion, or based on what anything you might be hearing, that the uh, O.J. Howard machine is finally taken out of the blocks? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people have maybe made more about, you know, the, the lack of looks that OJ's gotten than than really needs to be talked about. Number one, you know, when you play, you know, the three teams that Alabama's played and, you know, if you're Lane Kiffin or Nick Saban or Blake Sims and you look out to the wide side of the field and the boundary corner is seven yards off of Amari Cooper, um, you know, why not throw it to him until somebody makes you quit doing it? Um, and I would say the same thing, you know, about O.J. Howard, you know, being a former high school tight end and, and outside linebacker. I got the good and the bad medicine on both sides of the ball. You know, when you've got a six foot six, 240-pound gazelle that runs as fast as O.J. does, um, you know, if, if Alabama fans can hit the rewind button to the 2009 Alabama-LSU game, there was a red zone play where Corey Reamer was matched up on LSU's tight end. And at the snap of the ball, Corey took one false step inside when the tight end released on a little short, quick seam route, and it was over with. And that's how quickly you can get yourself out of a play um, if you're tasked with trying to cover a dynamic tight end like O.J. Howard. But I, I, I'm going to be surprised if – because I think, you know, the, the great play callers, carry, they don't scheme for play to the next, one series to the next, one quarter to the next. They scheme from one game to two or three games down the road. And I think, you know, Lane Kiffin has done what he's done for a reason. Um, you know, being the kind of aggressive defensive coordinator that Will Muschamp is, I can promise you that, you know, when, when they're in those defensive meetings, he's telling, you know, his, his safeties and his corners, look, Alabama might beat us, but they're not going to beat us with this cheat stuff to Amari Cooper. And I think they're going to have Vernon Hargraves lined up a half a yard off the ball from him playing press man coverage. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him creep a safety over there and bracket him. Um, I fully expect them to have seven or eight guys in the box to, you know, try to count for the running game. And when you do that kind of stuff, it frees up the middle of the field, not only just for O.J. Howard, um, but, but for, you know, Blake to roll out and throw back across the field on that, you know, 15- to 20-yard crossing pattern that him and Cyrus Jones have had some success Well. When, when Cyrus has chosen to catch the ball, they've had some success with it. Uh, but, but, you know, those are several plays. You know, O.J. releasing on scene passes, um, you know, 15- to 20-yard crossing passes across the, the middle of the field. 
those are all things that I think you're going to see Lane Kiffin dial up on Saturday. I agree 100%, William. I, I think you, I, I was just talking to Kerry about that. I think they're definitely going to attack the middle of the field should they do that with Amari Cooper. Uh, I also think a lot of people aren't really talking about it, and I think you'll see action and play quite a bit. Um, but I think the return of DeAndre White is big as well because he was having a very good football game against West Virginia uh, with 73 yards on six catches uh, before he got injured. Uh, I think he's going to really help him as well. I think he'll be he'll make him even tougher to defend. And I think you're going to see Kenyon Drake be a factor as a receiver and really all the backs. And I think they're going to play a large part in hopefully you know uh, making plays in the middle of the field. And, uh, and and I think, to be honest, if you looked at it, besides Vernon Hargraves, I think you would agree, uh, Florida secondary had a lot of issues last week against Kentucky. And with the with the Kiffin's game plan and with a, be, and a much better running game with Al, that Alabama should wield over the Wildcats, it's almost a pick-your-poison deal for Will Muschamp and their defense. Uh, I think Alabama's got a chance to really move the football and make some plays Saturday. Yeah, and you know what, I heard you guys, you know, kind of, um, and obviously so, I think if, you know, if Jeff Driscoll had been more successful in Florida's two, uh, first two ball games this year, um, you know, if completing more passes than he has to Demarcus Robinson, see Demarcus Robinson basically running neck and neck with Amari Cooper for, you know, the top receiver in the SEC. But, you know, one guy that, that really hasn't shown himself this year um, that I don't think Alabama fans need to go to sleep on because he prevents he presents a unique matchup from a size standpoint. But Florida's got another wide receiver that Alabama recruited very heavily and, and wanted badly, and you know that's a mod Fullwood who, who's really mm-hmm. about six four and a half. Um, you know he's not the you know the shifty shake and bake guy you know, with top-end speed like, like Robinson and Amari has. But, you know, he, he's a he's a legit 4-5 guy that can prevent. You know, look at it like this. Um, you know, if you're Kurt Roper, you know, you line up Amari and, and you obviously know that uh, – um, I mean, excuse me. You, you line up Demarcus Robinson to one side, and obviously you're going to put, um, you know, either Eddie Jackson or Tony Brown on him. And all of a sudden, you look over there to the other side of the field, whether it's the short side or the wide side, and you've got a mod full. Well, guess who's going to be matched up on him? Uh, a five foot eight Cyrus Jones. So, you know, that's that's something I think that's not being talked about that could be a factor. You know, he's not a a game changer in the standpoint that you know you can throw him the football and. Um, you know, expect him to make a lot of yards after contact, but he's a guy that you can throw the ball up in the air, um, you know, kind of like a Mike Evans, and expect him to win that one-on-one matchup and bring the ball down, you know, from an alley-oop standpoint, you know, nine times out of ten, especially if he's matched up on the Cyrus Jones. We have another uh, matter of angst for the Internet coaches during the offseason. <laughs> during offseason, uh, was lack of pass rush. Uh, we saw one sack, but we saw ten hurries against Nick Mullins, who I thought showed that he was very tough. Talk about how important it would be to do that again this week against Driscoll. Um, you know, and I think that's probably been, Kerry, the, the biggest disappointment to me 
you know, up until the, the Southern Miss game, you know, based on what I saw, um, you know, in the spring and the summer out of the front seven of Alabama's defense, I really thought they were going to be, you know, more productive than they have been. You know, guys like D.J. Petway and, um, you know, Xavier Dixon, um, you know, Ryan Anderson, you know, who, who finally, you know, cashed in some lottery tickets this weekend. You know, he's been a guy that produced two to three sacks in every scrimmage I've seen him in for the last three years. Um, and, I, you know, you saw it two weeks ago with Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans and how quickly they were able to come off the edge and affect the quarterback. But, you know, that, that you know, duo of Dixon on one side and Ryan Anderson on the other um, versus Southern Miss was, was very dynamic. Um, you know, I think those guys are both, you know, capable of, of, you know, being guys that can rush off the edge. And also, you know, I was playing uh, uh, internet football coach myself, you know, earlier in the week with some friends of mine. And, uh, you know, they were like, look, you know, if, if it was Texas A&M this week versus Florida, uh, you know, what would your ultimate, you know, front four be, you know, to put pressure on, you know, Texas A&M? And I said, well, you know, I'm not Nick Saban and, Nobody's paying me $7 million to make the decision. But if it were me, based on what I've seen in three ball games, I would cover both offensive guards on third down with Xavier Dixon and Ryan Anderson, and I'd have Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans coming off the edge. Um, and I do think that's where, uh, you know, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are headed. You know, I think they're headed in the right direction for – uh, you know, stopping these spread teams because I think Florida is very comparable um, with what they try and do uh, offensively as to what we saw versus West Virginia. And I'm going to be interested to see what, you know, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart come up with, you know, to try and disrupt, you know, the passing game. Because in my opinion, I just don't see that uh, with D.J. Humphreys not being available, they're, they're starting left tackle. Um, they do have some big running backs, but that kind of, you know, runs into at least, you know, so far this year and traditionally what the strength of the Nick Saban, Kirby Smart defense has been. Uh, I just don't see them having a lot of success running the football. So, to me, it boils down to, you know, how uncomfortable can you make uh, Jeff Driscoll and, you know, keep him from, you know, distributing the football from zero to 15 yards down the field um, you know, a lot of Alabama fans have kind of been, you know, critical of Blake Sims for, you know, not throwing the ball any further than he has down the field. But, you know, Jeff Driscoll's average pass um, so far in their first two ball games has only been about 10 yards. So, you know, you're going to see the same type of attack through the air that I think you saw from Trent, uh, Clint Trickett in West Virginia. Well, you know, i got two things to say to that, too. And you made a really good point, and we had it in our practice report this week on Monday. But, you know, you look at the stats, and I know one was a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, and then, you know, Blake's a redshirt senior. But Blake's first three starts, the stats are even better than A.J.'s were. So I think some people need to kind of open their eyes to that, that he has played very well and been efficient. And I I think what I'm excited, uh, William, as far as the secondary goes, is, you know, Nick Perry's suspension could, you know, be – 
a blessing in disguise, so to speak, because you're going to have guys like Geno Smith get a shot at free safety. I think he's a better athlete and a better football player than Nick Perry, no disrespect to Nick. And I think it's going to give a guy like Maurice Smith a chance at the star position who's big and physical and can come in and get some confidence, hopefully, and play well. And I think Alabama, it could really help their depth situation later on when they get guys like Jerry Williams back, who uh, Coach Saban said in the press conference today was ahead of schedule, but I think you would agree with me. I I don't see much of a way that Jerry's going to play Saturday, and if he does, it won't be a lot. No, and I would agree. I think in the, the limited amount of reps that, that Maury Smith has gotten in the first three ball games, he's a guy that's consistently caught my eye. And right. you've got to do you've got to do a lot to catch my eye when I'm watching the game live because my eyes are typically glued on you know the line Offense of screen defensive line. line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching those battles. Um, and I've been very impressed with with Mo Smith and you know seeing his ball skills improve and you know, playing in space, and, and I think, you know, he's always had um, the ability to play in space and had good ball skills, but what what's really, you know, kind of come full circle for him is he's added some size and strength, and he's kind of become a an enforcer back there at the nickel position. Um, the, the other thing, you know, going back to what you said about Blake Sims' stats is, you know, let, let's just say that Blake Sims – doesn't hit it out of the park this Saturday like he has in the first three ball games. But let's just say that he's a game manager because I do expect Lane Kiffin to turn the next page in his playbook, and I think you'll see Blake have more opportunities to make plays with his feet. Um, you know, running the zone read. Um, you know, if it were me, I would give him you know a run pass option on every play. Um, mm-hmm. What is the the critics and still the the going to say um, Sunday morning when if Blake Sims is able to lead Alabama to a you know convincing victory, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over you know twice and make critical errors, um, I think that's going to be an interesting stat. And I'll I'll say this: um, what Lane Kiffin is doing with Blake Sims right now, guys reminds me so much of when I was a true freshman at Alabama in night. Um, you know, everybody remembers, you know, that being the year of, of Gary Hollingsworth. Prior to, you know, Jeff Dunn blowing his knee out against Kentucky, um, Jeff Dunn was a starting quarterback. And in mm-hmm. the match before the season started, um, I sat there and I watched the Alabama offense in 1989 under Homer Smith, um, and, you know, this probably deflates the value of what I'm fixing to say a little bit when you factor in that it was a Don Lindsay coach defense. But <laughs> I want, you know, Jeff, Jeff Dunn was kind of closer to Jacob Coker's size. I mean, he's a big, he was a big dude. I mean, he was, you know, 6'4", 230 pounds. And he was probably closer to Coker in his running ability. But Homer Smith had a, a you know, basically every running play that Homer had, he had a, a pass play off of it. And he would roll Jeff Dunn out on every passing play. And as an offensive guard, you know, which I was at the time, I hated it because you had to pull and, you know, be kind of the lead blocker for, for Dunn. 
And, you know, if, if the force guy on, on that side of the field decided to come up and try and attack Jeff Dunn, um, you know, he would drop the ball over their heads to Kevin Turner and, and Lamont Russ. If mm-hmm. the force decided to drop into coverage, you know, at, at 6'4", 230 pounds, and, you know, Dunn was probably a legit 4'7", 40. He would tuck the ball and pick up seven yards. And I watched Homer Smith and Jeff Dunn slice and dice Don Lindsay's defense in a scrimmage to the tune of about 77 points. And wow. that's where Lane Kiffin is trying to go with Blake Sims because when even though it's been, you know, somewhere between Hoover High School and East Mississippi Junior College competition so far, you can see just how comfortable Blake has got rolling out, throwing the football on the run, and if the throw isn't there, you can see how quickly and how comfortable he is at tucking that ball and making something happen. I mean, the guy hasn't taken a sack yet. Oh, you exactly. I think, and I think that's huge. You know, did, did we lose him? Uh, I no, still I have him. Okay. No, no, I think no. I was just uh, gonna say no, William. I was just gonna say no. That's huge, and I think it's something that they can't simulate in practice. It's very hard to simulate the athleticism of Blake. I think his decision making so far has been really good as far as choosing when to run and when to throw. Um, I, I don't think he's forced the ball. If he continues to do that against Florida. I really think it's going to be hard to stop. I do think Driscoll has mobility, but it's not dynamic like Blake. And I think that's one thing that Florida is going to find out Saturday as they've tried to prepare for Blake Sims. As long as he does makes the right decisions and doesn't turn the football over, I really think Alabama is going to be able to, to uh, keep the, the Florida defense on their heels and off balance and move the football. I mean, Kentucky was able to throw the football most of the night but I think Alabama, with their balance with running pass, is going to be tough for Kentucky to handle. Or pardon me, well, Florida to handle. Well, no, Andrew, and I, I just kind of was thinking about this while you were talking about Blake, and, and I think this is a great comparison for you know Alabama fans to kind of think about chew over. Do you know who so far through his career in the SEC, when he hasn't been injured, and, and bless his heart, he has been injured a lot, but when you look at the recruiting hype that he got, you know, he was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country his senior year in high school. Um, you know, right. take the injuries out of the equation. Uh, when you look at him as, as a guy that's trying to run a dual threat offense, run the zone read, you know who Jeff Driscoll reminds me of? Go ahead, hit me with it. <laughs> well, based on the first three uh, balls. Sophomore Jay Parker? No, based on the first three ball games, summer practice, he reminds me of Jacob Coker. I was going to say Jake Coker, but you know he just he he and he is kind of they're similar in size. They're not dynamic, but they can move around pretty well. But I think Alabama is going to have a chance to and the key is going to be they need to finally force some turnovers. They haven't been able to force many turnovers defensively. Uh, Kentucky had a pick six ricochet off their chest. It would have, I think, you know, been, I think it ultimately was the difference in winning and losing. I think it would have put Florida in a hole where they would have been in deep trouble. But, again, I think Alabama's got a very good chance Saturday. I, 
I picked them 27-16. I think they match up pretty well with Florida. I think Florida's an improved football team, but I, I still like Alabama's chances. And uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But, William, we really appreciate you joining us. I know the segment ran a little long, but you always bring such good stuff to the table. And uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. Uh, and uh, I guess as you go, what, do you, what, do you, what, are your, what is your uh, prediction on the football game? You know, as, as long as you uh, TV on or, you know, when you go get your cold drink from the refrigerator and come back at the end of the third quarter, if Alabama has rushed for 130 yards going into the fourth quarter, I'm going to say 31 to 17 Alabama. All right. Well, sounds good. We, I think we're about we're on the same wavelength. And I think Blake will play well, and uh, I'm really rooting for him, and I know you are as well. And uh, for what hey, all hey, he's uh, been through, go, going through. Before I go, I got right. a question, a quick question for you and Kerry. Okay. After three games, and you know it's it's been a little bit of a, a hodgepodge because a lot of the teams haven't played good competition. After three right. games of of the 2014 season, I want you and Kerry to give me your surprise teams of the SEC. My my, my our surprise one on each side or. I mean, well, no, well, you know, the whole Southeastern Conference, what football team has kind of impressed you the most that maybe you weren't expecting to impress you? Well, I think the two for me, would, and I know they haven't, you're, you're right, they haven't played great competition, but I'd have to say Texas A&M and Missouri. Terry? Uh, I'd say Tennessee is a little better than I thought they'd be, and I'd say Vanderbilt is a lot worse than I thought they'd be. <laughs> well, you stole my thunder, Kerry. I was very impressed with the way Tennessee played Oklahoma Saturday night. They're they're the mm-hmm. one team I was expecting to be this year that maybe they're going to be a little bit better than I was expecting them to be. Yeah. I mean, they may very well. I think their defense has definitely improved. I've I've watched their front seven. I'm still not sold on their offense, especially you know. Uh, I, I really, I'm, I just, I'm not sure that QB wise they've got they're where they need to be. Uh, he did he threw a hundred yard pick six against Oklahoma, but I think they did compete well, and I think uh, Hurd is a pretty good young back. I still don't think they're as dynamic as they need to be back there, like Tennessee has been in the past, but. Uh, you know, we'll see, but I think Tennessee is on the right track. Uh, I, I'll know, we'll know more when they play Georgia soon. I, if they can hang with Georgia, then I think maybe uh, that maybe they, they may very well go to a bowl game this year. We'll see. I was, I was, I thought they hung in there with Oklahoma, but I, it's going to be interesting to see. And it's going to be interesting to see how West Virginia does against OU today. I don't know if y'all saw this, but Chris Felica of Game Day, their reach, their 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 ace researcher, he's been with them forever. He picked West Virginia in the upset, so we'll see. Yeah, and, and I think you know, I think if you take that you know that pick six out of the equation, and you know, I know you mm-hmm. can at the end of the day. Um, yeah, Worley, yeah, that Worley made, but I, I was very impressed with the way that that Tennessee, you know, battled and battled for four quarters against Oklahoma. It really. Uh, I'm kind of like you know what you said, Drew. You know they they got a lot of young kids, you know, and that that leads itself to the mistakes. And uh, but I, I was expecting Tennessee to be you know at the bottom of the SEC this year, and they still may end up being there. But 
you know, that, that battle Saturday night on national television at Norman, Oklahoma, um, you know, kind of opened my eyes as to, you know, the potential of this, you know, Tennessee program. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, William, we appreciate it. We appreciate the insight as always, and uh, we will definitely have you back on soon. And uh, thank you for being on BAMS again tonight, my friend. Hey, thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it, William. Thank um, you, Gary. Before I, yes, sir. Before I, we bring on the next caller, Drew, I don't know if you've had a chance to hear the play-by-play uh, by the Oklahoma announcer on the uh, batted interception return of 100 yards. But he, he said it in a way I've never heard it said before about time the guy got to the other 40. He said, this is great. He said, unlock the front door, folks. He's going to the house. <laughs> I never had heard that. That was awesome. <laughs> I heard that tonight on a montage of play-by-play calls from Saturday. I just thought that was great. But uh, without further ado, since he's been patiently holding for about 15 minutes, I want to bring on our next caller, uh, Colin Big C. McGuire from uh, – Beautiful downtown Greenville, Alabama. What's going on tonight, big man? It's a nice night down here and only two blocks away from the main street. Uh, we're doing good. How about you, wild man? Doing great, man. Appreciate you calling. Uh, I understand you, you got another big help. guest. Yes, sir. I understand you got another uh, well-known guest lined up for uh, this Saturday's uh, Internet TV edition of Talking Bama with Big C. It's coming on Friday. Uh, we uh, we taped the show yesterday, and thank you for bringing that up. We got co- former Alabama assistant Joe Kynes, and as nice. you know, before he came to Alabama, he was an assistant, and he was the defensive coordinator at Florida under Coach Charlie Pale, and then he came to Alabama under Ray Perkins in 85 and 86, and then he came back again when Mike Price was hired, and then as you know, uh <laughs> Took over after Shula took. I mean, stayed on as when Coach Shula took over. But uh, we're going to have a little angle about him being in both at Alabama and Florida. So it'll be a very interesting uh, interview. And as you know, he's a very colorful character. Yeah, he's basically nope. about a six foot three version of you when it comes to talking. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always like Coach Kind. The funniest thing to be about Coach Kind is. I don't know if he did it with you, Big C, but he'll be talking to the media, and he'll get on such of a roll, he'll start calling us coach. <laughs> it's so funny. Exactly. Well, coach, you know, they run a 5-2 and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my. And well, we all think, think we're coaches in the media, but for him to say it just always cracked me up, man. Well, the thing I thought was funny is he came to Greenville one year and did a talk to the alumni there at group down here, and uh, he said uh, – we had a drug problem in our family. They drug me to uh, drug me out of bed to go to church. They drug me to go to school. They drug me to go here, <laughs> go there. I mean, it was funny. You know, the way I first said it, you thought, well, dang, they really had a drug problem. And then when he started explaining, needless to say, everybody was laughing. But he, he was very good. Well, what do y'all think about Saturday's game? Well, Big C, I'm going to be honest. I think Alabama's better on both sides of the football. I think it'll be the best test for Alabama, but I think and I think Will Muschamp is going to have a good defensive plan, but I I like, I think Lane Kiffin will have some things, and some wrinkles offensively they haven't seen. Uh, I think Alabama, you know, they've got some issues in, in some areas. I mean, there's been a lot of consternation about the defensive lines play and, 
and the secondary. But the SEC is is always different. The intensity is always ratcheted up. I think Alabama is definitely going to be ready to play. I think that Alabama, you know, they, these got these kids, they still hear the talk and they still see the media attention and. They've heard and they may see that Oregon's jumped them in the polls, and there's been a lot of people talking about how they haven't played all that well. And so I think Alabama will be out to make a statement. It's always big in your SEC home opener too, and it should be a live atmosphere. Uh, you know, CBS national audience, and I think you know the only thing you kind of worry about a little bit. Blake Sims has played three games, and this will be his biggest game yet. How will he react? But, you know, he, he may end up being a gamer, and uh, that's what I'm counting on. I think he'll be ready to play, and I think the offense will come out and play well. And I think defensively, they'll, they'll, I'm sure Florida's going to make some plays, but I think Alabama will make some stops and force a, a turnover or two to be the difference. And I think Alabama will win the game 27-16. Big C, I think well, Alabama I, will win. I think, I think Alabama's going to win, but Florida will cover. I'm going to uh, – I'm going 27-13, Bama. Yeah, 17 points is too much. I, I agree there, Terry. All right, if y'all want to know my prediction, go to Talking Bama with Big C dot. I mean, Talking Bama with Big C at www.jockjive.com on Friday, and you'll hear the prediction. My prediction at the end of the show. Oh wow! wow. Big C to learn how to tease after all these years in radio. Yeah, sort of learn how. Good job, Big Good job. Suck in. I mean, I want them to watch, and I also want all these folks that look at it to like it, so we can have more numbers, like y'all want to have more numbers. That's Um, right. Uh, Drew Big C has me on his show most every Friday during football, and uh, every now and then I'll razz him a little bit because he always has to check me while we're on the air live if they can hear me or not, and if I can hear him, (laughs) and I always say. Big C, tell that general manager down there that uh, 1967 called and they want their audio board back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Has anybody um, gave you the hell about me saying that yet, Big C? Say that again one more time. Has the management given you any hell about me saying that about the audio board? No, I, I, no I, not yet. No, I ain't said nothing about it. No, we're all right on that. Uh, I'll keep now, it down about once a year. Uh, let me all ask y'all this. Now, the only thing that does concern me about Alabama, they've only caused one turnover for the whole year, and they're 98 the turnover margin. And Florida's number one at that uh, uh, in that category in the whole country. Uh, do y'all think they're going to somehow another be able to ratchet it up where they can start causing some more turnovers? Because that would help the cause. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, BC. We've talked about that tonight. Uh, I think Alabama needs to start forcing turnovers. I think they'll force a couple. Uh, Driscoll has improved, but I still am not sure he's a. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I watched the Kentucky game and he played pretty well, but he had a he had a couple of issues there. Should have had a pick six that he threw right to Kentucky. Uh, if the pass rush can continue to improve like he did against Southern Miss, he does have more mobility than Mullins. There's no doubt about that, and a better supporting cast. But I do think Alabama will play better. I think Alabama came out flat against Southern Miss. You can't come out on top of your game every time. And I think Alabama will play well. I'll be surprised if they don't. They usually do uh, in this kind of situation. So we'll see. But uh, I I just think Alabama knows they can, knows what they need to do. And I think they're going to come out and play a good football game. Well, I don't, I was watching. ESPN yesterday, and there's Joey Galloway and who else on there? 
and they were mm-hmm. ranking the top five teams in the SEC West, and the, the Crimson Tide was ranked number the third best right now in the in the SEC West. And if I was a if I saw that if I was a player for Alabama and I saw that on the TV, I think I'd be extra motivated now for that because of seeing that. Because you know, I know right now it don't matter at the end of the year, but still though. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to add to that we are the best, like we always have. And this, would, I would be a little on the pumped up side come for a Saturday. Well, there's no doubt about it. And they see all. They, you know, they see some of that. And if they don't, Scott Cochran has somebody monitoring that, and they'll let them know. I mean, they're they're everybody's going to be talking about Auburn and Texas A and M because Texas A and M destroyed South Carolina and all this kind of good stuff. And they're putting up all these video game numbers offensively and. You know, we'll see. I mean, you just have to go out each week and get better and take care of your business. And the one thing I like about it, Big C, with Alabama's football team is this team I don't think is anywhere close to reaching its potential yet. Uh, And if they continue to improve and ingratiate guys like Tony Brown into the lineup, Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans, I think those are kind of those are guys you don't see a lot of film on, so you can't really prepare. And I think Alabama can uh, can surprise some people. I know that's. Yeah, that's that's kind of saying something strange because they rank number three in the country. But I do think they have some guys nobody's seen yet that uh, that will be household names in the future. Oh yeah, we got another guy on hold. Uh, we we appreciate you calling Big C, and I'll, please keep calling us every week. And uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, Friday. Friday sounds good. Friday. Right. Thank you, Good. sir. That's uh, Colin Big C. McGuire. Yes, sir. You're welcome, Colin Thank Big C. Big McGuire C. from Greenville. Thanks, and uh, he reached Bye-bye. us by calling our. Uh, <laughs> damn. He reached us by calling seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. Just like the next man we got on hold did, and we lovingly know him as Bring the Pain from the Shoals area. What is up, Pain? What's going on? How you doing, Bring the Pain? Uh. Oh, I'm doing okay. I've Good. got to go see a surgeon uh, Friday. Uh, but just to let you know, my family doctor thinks I've got lymphoma. So she's sending me to a surgeon. But anyway, we will definitely be praying for you. Oh, thanks. Uh, anyway, about the Alabama and Florida game. After the Kentucky game, and they went into four overtimes. I think Florida will be a little tired, and having that game in the back of their minds. As far as what that uh, last caller said about Alabama's ranked third in the West, Mm -hmm. I think Saban won't let the team watch TV, thing like that because he don't want them to start having stuff in the back of their minds. He wants their minds clear 
focused on the game and that game only. He don't want them to think ahead. And I made a prediction on the game. Let's hear it. I think it's going to be 42-17. to 17. Nice. It's going to be like the last game played against Florida when A.J. was the quarterback. And our defense is going to get some turnovers. I tell you what, Payne, they they would have had two turnovers last week if Landon and Cyrus would have turned their head on two separate pass plays. But hey, <laughs> maybe this is the week they start turning their head around. Yeah, I I think Kentucky won last week because those clocks was at zero and the Reds didn't do nothing. So I think Kentucky had beat them, but that. My opinion. I was wondering if y'all heard what Allen said about his little brother. Because his little brother plays for Oh, yeah. What Landon Landon Collins said about Gerald Willis, how he liked to get on kickoff returns so he could hit his brother. Yeah, I heard that. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't thinking of hard. Mama wanted both of them at LSU, and she went over two there. <laughs> yeah, she sure did. But what do you think about uh, Jameis Winston not playing the the first half? I think Clemson's is gonna beat Florida State anyway, and I think can. Kansas State's going to beat Auburn tomorrow night. Uh, if that happens, it'd be, be some uh, shock waves. I can tell you that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I the, the thing about Winston is, I just think obviously the kid is as immature as anybody you've ever seen. I mean, he's—I don't know—he's he's cost himself millions. He should have been a lot for the first pick in the draft and and been a guy that had a legit chance to win back-to-back Heisman trophies because of the situation he's in and the football team he's on. But to me, he's blown that opportunity. Uh, I'm just, I'm shocked at his just his, his his complete lack of class and just, I mean, just not learning from his mistakes. I mean, he just continually does stupid things. The press conference today was a joke. I mean, I, to be honest, I'm glad he's not at Alabama showing that kind of maturity level. Uh, you know, Alabama's done just fine. Uh, they've won three national titles, and I'm happy to see a kid like Blake Sims grind and get a, get an opportunity that he's getting. And, you know, we may not win a national championship decision. We might, or they, or Alabama could find a way. Who knows? But I'll say this. Uh, I'm glad they don't have the headache known as Jay Boo Winston. You know what? Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but in the national quarterback ratings, uh, Blake is third in the country right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, Jameis is sixth. Let that yep. sink in for a minute. That's true. Or that as far as, as far as sitting out a half, I'd have made him sit out the whole game. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. Sitting out a half, a quarter, give me a break. He's either suspended or he's not. I mean, I definitely think it should have been a game, and I think to be blunt, it's a chicken. 
I, it's a it's basically a chicken shit move by it is by it is. By, uh, by Jimbo Fisher. It, it is, and it just shows you what what priority they put on on things down there. And uh, hopefully the parents uh, are seeing this and going, "Wow, he he does he gets up on a table and screams that kind of profanity, and he only misses two quarters of the game." I, if I'm the president of the university, I step in there and say, "Oh no, his ass is not getting on the bus." Yeah, exactly. Especially in the oh, climate, what's just been happening in the NFL anyway. That just shows how dense the kid is. Well, yeah, I tell you what, Frank, we, we appreciate you calling. Oh, yeah, yeah, we agree, bring the thing. What do you totally, think totally. about my prediction on the score? I, I think you're on the right track. You think it will be something high, like I, that? I think it's going to be closer than that. I said, I said 27-13, Bama. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, I like guys. I'll see uh, y'all Saturday. All right, buddy. We'll be at the tent. Come on by and bring that woman with you if you can. Not it's okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you. Anyway. <laughs> we love we love you either way, man. I will. Roll tide, buddy. Well, y'all take care. Bye. Love y'all. All right, buddy. See y'all take care. Saturday. Yes, sir. Well, unbeknownst to me, our 8.30 guest became 8 o'clock, and I guess our 9.30 guest has become 9 o'clock. So uh, uh, remind me to have Bird uh, ship me a catheter for the next show. Uh, <laughs> I, I, guess, uh, I guess we will wait a little while before we take our break because our second guest of the night is already on hold, and I do have some things I want to ask him, uh, even though we've never talked before. But, Drew, you got him for us, so go ahead and bring him on. Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, this is a former colleague of mine. I've, this will be the first time we've spoken, you know, to each other, but we've communicated via Twitter and via text quite a bit. He's a really sharp football guy. He's now working for Saturday Down South. He's a, he's the, he's the king of film study, in my opinion. But we are honored to be joined by Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South. Uh, Murph, welcome to BAMS Radio, man. Thank you for having me. What's going on, guys? What's up, Carrie? going on drew doing good doing good murph uh uh and i appreciate you coming on i've, I've watched i read a couple of your articles where you, you break it down by film study that I, I will be honest with you the stuff is uh is brilliant and i appreciate you doing it and uh it's, it's really you, educational to those of us that are just like pedestrian fans uh so no, I, I not thank you, man you i've read your work before you're definitely oh, not Lord. that oh. i'm honored i'm honored well murph uh, i i you know what We'll go out of the love fest, and, and I realize that you no longer cover the Atlanta Falcons, but I know that you did spend several months doing that. So I wanted to start off my line of questioning with kind of a, an update for us on the uh, the three Alabama guys who are on the Falcons roster. We realize that Mike is out for the year. We realize that Julio is back and apparently close to 100%. Help me understand, though, Murph, why Javi Arenas has not dressed for either of the first two games. I would think it's because um, if you they got Eric Weems back first and foremost, he's probably one of the better kick returners they've had. Period, point blank. And um, if you right, got Devin Hester like in tow, as a nickel maybe, I thought he would. Oh, you mean as a defensive back? Or, no, that yeah, ain't because we we knew when they when they we knew when they brought in old number seventeen that Javi wasn't gonna get much of a chance on kick returns. But I thought he was gonna really push for time as a nickel or a dime, and he hasn't even been in uniform for a regular season game. No, I never thought that at all. To be honest with you, I would knew Robert McClain would be the incumbent, and then they drafted a couple of guys. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I never, I didn't think at all that he would get any playing time there. I thought any t- any of his playing time would be in the return game, and they're all set there. So he's going to be probably an emergency fill-in kind of guy. He's not that good, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. But at least he's drawing a check. I don't know. Well, that's that's pretty blunt. I did I didn't realize that. No, yeah, he's, I mean, he. I, no, he he struggles to turn, and it's it's a lot of thing with Bama defensive backs. It's like struggling to find the ball and looking lean and and running with running with receivers and trail technique and stuff like that. They cannot find the ball, and he definitely struggles with that. He was such a great player at Alabama, man. But you have to say that he's been a, a huge disappointment in the pros. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we wanted to kind of get you to. Just break down the Alabama Florida game. We know you watched a ton of film uh, and, and you've done extensive study on it. What, so, what are your early? It's Wednesday, but what are your early thoughts on the matchup? I've been kind of knee deep in the in the Florida part of it, and um, I think there are a few right. things that people are overlooking. Um, I know that everyone, we all know that Bama can stop the run from what we've seen thus far. But I think this this run game is going to present a lot of problems that people aren't thinking about. These guys are running power out of a spread, and they mm-hmm. have dedicated um, 11 and 12 personnel to that. And I think they have one of the very best running back corps in the entire nation. It's just that many people aren't aren't looking at it that way. Matt Jones, I think he's an absolute freak. He's like Todd Gurley light, or you know, what I mean, he might have been Todd Gurley. Matter of fact, if come to think of it, they're probably both true juniors. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Jones were the higher-rated player coming out of high school. This guy is physical, big and physical. I think they said he was 6'2", 235 or something like that, and he looks every right. bit apart. So they're they're running power out of a spread. So what, what that's going to do is it's going to they're going to spread you out, and a lot of the passes are going to be horizontally, you know, like a lot of the stuff Bama's doing right now. So that's going to open up a lot of run lanes because, I mean, who, who are you going to dedicate as an extra defender on that? Unless you think that you can you can get it out of the out of an even front alignment. Or if you're back in the odd front, you're going to have to play a lot of your your bigger guys there, your Darren Lakes and, and people like that. Mm-hmm. So then what that does to me is they don't they don't do a lot of substituting. They're going to jump in this, this 11 personnel and have three receivers. But they're going to use their H-back guy as a blocker, and they can move him out in the slot and everything like that. So your pass rush might not be as good because you wouldn't want to have the NASCAR personnel, the speed personnel in when you have Jonathan Allen at the three technique. So if you get caught in something like that, if you get caught in that package, do you, do you think they can stop the run then? Because I, I noticed even in the West Virginia game when they had that speed rush package in, West Virginia was, was doing pretty good in the run at the, to start. And then they shifted yeah, over right. where Allen was back at the six technique and the five technique on the ends, and that's when they started to shut the run game down. But I don't think that run game can hold a candle to what Florida's about to bring. Like they're about to bring them chin straps, baby. It's about to be some, about to be some hitting going on. And and they have a, a big guy in Jones. He's big and fast like a Todd Gurley. They have a a, a guy who's shifty, um, Kelvin Taylor, Fred Taylor's son, the shifty guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's got some size in it. Then they got a guy who's kind of a mix between the both and Mac Brown. And I think their their run might not. I, th- I believe they're missing their left tackle, but I think the the line can really get it can really get it going. They can get a pretty good push. I mean, it's going to be something to behold because if they're able to establish that run game, uh, you're going to have to you may have to drop somebody like a, I would say 
I saw them put Landon Collins in towards the um, line of scrimmage. It looked like he was playing more of a star star position. I think that would be perfect for something like that. And maybe they can move Amari Smith back to the strong and have um, Geno at the free. But you, you may have to dedicate some extra attention to that run game just because of the way they're going to spread it out and run from there and then hit with the horizontal game. And you don't want to have you don't want to have one of the corners on the island, whoever it is, if Eddie Jackson isn't able to play, even if it's Tony Brown, as much as I think he's going to be a great player. I think Demarcus Robinson is <laughs> he's like a baby Amari Cooper, you know. So yeah. you may want to give him some help. You just don't know. So I think they bring a lot of variables to the table that a lot of people aren't talking about. Yeah, I, you know, they, and they do. They're physical. I know they're going to try to, you know, run the football because I, I don't think they want to put the, the game on Driscoll's shoulders. Um, I expect Alabama to, to bracket Robinson and uh, try to make someone else beat them, much like they'll probably try to do with Amari Cooper. But uh, I still I still think Alabama, and I know what you saw last week, you saw Landon a lot at the at the dime. He played the money position. Is he almost the money, like okay. a, a second. Yeah, he, he yeah, was playing okay. the money. He's almost a second a linebacker with the uh-huh. yeah with the trade to Priest on the field against Southern Miss. I don't think they'll be in the dime as much this week because of the personnel you're talking about. I think Landon will be back at strong, but I would not be surprised if they drop him closer to the box to help against the run. Well, tell me He's this. So physical. Tell me this, Drew. If yeah. they if they if they're running eleven personnel, wouldn't you want to counteract that with dime? Like they're going to have three receivers on the field at all times. Like uh, that's their. Well, and their they thing. may very well do it. I'm I'm just speculating now because okay. they may very well try to give them a dime look. But I would think they would want two linebackers on the field, like Reggie Ragland and uh, and Trey DePriest, to help with the run because the run's going to be so so cru- crucial. Whoever runs the mm-hmm. ball the best is going to win the game, and I would think. They might still slide landing closer to the line of scrimmage, but it's just mm-hmm. going to depend. But it's going to also put the corners on an island. You know, Eddie yeah, Jackson is going to have to do well, and then Cyrus Jones. Who I felt, I feel, I feel, I think Eddie will play. I think he practiced today, from what I was told. I know they, Coach Saban said that Tony Brown would play a lot, but as my my colleague William Barger, who was just on right now, said, Fred I've is. heard that before. And then when you leave practice, when the media leaves practice, he's been at practices when they've left. He goes, then you, then the guys that are supposedly limited are practicing full speed. So I think they pulled Eddie as a precaution last week, and I think he's okay. gonna. I think he's going to be okay. I heard he was moving well in practice today. A little bit of film I've seen. It looked like he was moving well. And this is going to be. I, I still think you know Eddie's going to. I don't know if he'll cover Robinson the entire game, but I think it'll be most of the football game. If he holds up and can be healthy. It's going to be crucial because then that way you can move Landon closer to the line of scrimmage and and then uh, but like William said they've got Ahmad Fullwood, a very big wide receiver uh, that mm-hmm. would be matched up against Cyrus Jones. So the key Cyrus is going to give up some plays, but the key is going to be tackling in open space. And I feel like Cyrus, after a slow start against West Virginia, has played at a pretty high level. But I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of study on Florida. What is your thoughts on Alabama defensively? Um, on Alabama defensively, I would like to see, um, I think it's something about the pass rush just a little bit. They're, they're, they're getting home at times, but I would like to see right. them get home a little bit more. They're getting a lot of pressures and stuff like that, but I would like to see them get home. As far as the, um, the linebackers go, I, I have read something somewhere one time where they were going to play Raglan at the money. You remember that? Yeah, they, they've done a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I would 
they probably would want to do in this particular game as well. Um, I believe if you're talking about tackling in space, though, the best tackler in space is Landon Collins. Like, I don't think oh, that he'll let anything no get Yeah, he's like a mini C.J. Mosley or something. But, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, I mean, I just have to go by the, the specific game plan. And um, mm-hmm. this one's kind of tough to me because, like I said, they, they don't substitute very much. So if you want to keep the bigger package out there, that's going to present a lot of problems because you're definitely not going to get home there. And they do a lot of short passing too, so you will want your speed rush there to get, get home really quick. And I think about um, them sending fabricated pressure. I think you're going to want to get your pressure more organically in this game because the fact that they are doing the short passes and the fact that a lot of the, the passing concepts are coming from run principles, you know? You mm-hmm. you don't really don't know if it's going to be a pass or a run. They're starting with a lot of the zone read. They haven't sent they haven't sent Driscoll on the zone read, but it's there, you know? It's there every every time. You can tell some of it's a dedicated zone run, but some of right. it can turn into a zone read. And um, I heard you earlier, and you said that he's not that dynamic of an athlete. I think he's a really dynamic athlete. He's a 4-5 guy in the 40. 230 really? pounds and uh, yeah i've seen him yeah when he can he gets it rolling man that, that guy can fly he's a, he's a big dude oh, he, that can can fly. he can move i just don't think he's a uh, quick twitch i guess was a better okay a better yeah I, I get you on that yeah, I on his own that, read i think he would be perfect for it because he's right. gonna have to get it motoring you know but um yeah, yeah um i think it's gonna be they're gonna have to they're gonna have to not bring the fabricated pressure put it that way i don't it's unless it's a, a straight up nickel, a sin, a star sin. I don't mm-hmm. think you want to get to where you're um, you're throwing your corners out there on the island, and because uh, of Demarcus Robinson kid, he's awesome. You don't want to be blitzing your safeties and having your um, zone dogs and maybe a few cross dog blitzes with the middle linebackers and the A and B gaps. But you're going to want to get a lot of organic pressure. So um, I would like to see Ryan Anderson. Uh, he's <laughs> that kid's awesome. I don't know if yeah, people aren't really talking about him. He's doing his thing. Um, people want to talk about Jonathan Allen and stuff like that. But as a higher gun, Ryan Anderson is the absolute truth. And that's from a motorcycle position or from a three-point stance. Well, I agree. I think that's key, especially with Humphreys being out. I think Alabama needs to be able to have Xavier Dixon and Ryan Anderson do what they did last week. And that's pressure the QB without blitzing. If you can do that and rattle mm-hmm. Driscoll, it would be huge. I don't. I agree 100%. No doubt. I think this might be the game where we see Rashawn Evans in on third downs, even when the game's still in doubt. Yeah, I mean, I would he, hope he so. would be he, perfect. Line him up uh, at a nine technique, have him come off the edges like that. I think that would be absolutely perfect. You don't want to. You might want to keep the keep a nine technique out there because they will be trying to hit the perimeter and the edges in the run game with a lot of their speed sweeps and, and different things like that, or just their regular sweeps. Yeah. So maybe keep keep a nine technique to funnel funnel everything back in. And I think you'd be good, but as a higher gun coming off the edges, Ryan Anderson and and Evans, perfect. Just let them, just let them hunt. And I know you've uh, been studying Florida defensively, but how do you see? Do you think that Cameron Robinson, being the young kid, eighteen years old, left tackle, you how do you see him doing against Dante Fowler Jr., who's obviously a a dynamic defensive defensive player for the Gators? I think Dante Fowler is the next superstar outside linebacker in the NFL. Like they they do a lot of um, standing him up and he can blitz and they move him around a lot. So he might not just see Cam. Right. He may mm-hmm. see um, Shepard. You know, I don't know if you want to see that, but um, I think that Cam might he might be in a little bit of a trouble. I think they may need to dedicate a little bit of help to him. We can 
of course, starting out, they're going to see what it is, but I think Fowler is awesome, man. He's got a quick first step. He can get up under your pads. Um, he's got multiple moves. I think this is something that Cam hasn't seen yet. And um, Right. Uh, yeah, this is that's, it's going to be pretty tough. They need to dedicate, probably have somebody dedicated to um, chipping Fowler. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring a tight end over there. They did against West Virginia in the first game. Vogler helped him out a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised, especially if, 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 if uh, Fowler gets off to a fast start. But the one good part is, I think Blake Sims has mobility and can uh-huh. avoid pressures. That is the one advantage. If it was AJ McCarron, there would be some problems. I don't think there's any it doubt would. about that. But well, oh, I think oh, Blake, Blake Sims is Blake Sims a starter. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Blake Sims a starter. <laughs> of course, but the way people were talking about it, you would think Fowler. Sims is horrible. Oh, I know they uh, they're they're kind of missing the boat, man. I mean, it, it, I know you're a stat guy and a film guy, and you and I loved your article by the way when you broke down Sims and Coker. Uh, against Florida Atlantic, I thought it was very, very concise, and I think Kerry read that one as well. Oh yeah, it was great. And uh, talking about Fowler, uh, Alabama's Fowler might be chipping Florida's Fowler some too. Oh, that's very oh yeah, good there thing, you go. Kerry. There you go. You know, we don't spend a lot of time on this program, Murph, talking about Auburn, uh, <laughs> but there's there's been some uh, there's been some discussion about a potential upset by K State tomorrow night. I don't buy it, especially after the fact was released that 58 out of 116, uh, that's 50 percent of the dress roster for K State tomorrow night is or was at some point a walk on. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, it's breaking news. Just this past hour, it's been uh, it's been revealed by several different sources that Jermaine Whitehead, uh, safety for Auburn had a verbal altercation with an assistant, did not get on the plane, and will not be dressing for the game. Uh, does that at least give K-State some kind of prayer? No. <laughs> I say no. K-State's uh, in trouble, man. They're in trouble. I mean, most of the thing is well, they're going to get up on you, and they're going to grind you down. It's going to be fast, quick, and in a hurry. And then from there, your whole your whole game plan is thrown off. I mean, what a lot of the stuff that they're doing is they're going to be able to get a little pressure with their defensive front, but it's going to be an offensive mauling. And from there, I mean, you're not going to have anywhere to go. I don't think K-State has much of a chance. No, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's if you want to hype the game, if you don't want no, people watching the, the Falcons, I can, I can understand. Tomorrow, the more competitive game tomorrow will be at the Georgia Dome. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And so I would watch out for that. that one, too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. sleep on Tampa. No, you can't sleep on anybody anymore. That's been proven. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have gotten a lot of pleasure in the 0-2 start by the Saints, who are the Auburn of NFL in my book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's horrible, man. That's what you call an easier it. schedule last year. Their schedule was a little easier, and um, now they're seeing a little – they're seeing physical teams, and they lost all their physical teams on their schedule last year. I actually covered the Saints before I covered the Falcons, so <laughs> – well, that, I'm glad to hear that. I did not realize that. Uh, <laughs> but with that being said, with the way things have gone on the sidelines verbally and uh, even now with an injury, uh, pretty small odds, in your opinion, that Mark Ingram's back next year with the Saints? Man, Ingram came into his own, and I was touting people, and, and I was making articles and had a whole grip of articles about how he was going to come into his own because of the blocking scheme might be a little bit more suited for him. But um, I think with Kyrie Robinson, with him breaking out, and um, Pierre Thomas kind of at the end of his role, I think I think he'll be back. They, they were going to let Pierre Thomas go last year, 
and it looked like him and Sproles were going to go, and they decided to keep Thomas at the last minute. But he'll be, I believe, 30-31 next year. They have to bring Ingram back, especially if they're trying to go to more of a power game. And the boy is running he, hard. Is he, the question is, does he want to be back after throwing his helmet, cursing out, Sean Alton, <laughs> Pfizer boy at the Georgia <laughs> I, I don't know that Mark's too happy there. Uh, I think that grass ain't always green on the other side. He's he's starting to come into his own. I don't think he should leave. He might not want well, to come I, back, but uh, well, he wants to be on a one back team, not a three back team. Well, that's not true, many. That's not all, many of those left, though. Like who who was out there as a one back team anymore? Yeah, that's true. I, the one thing that, that that Ingram has an advantage as far if he stayed is you're going to be surrounded. You know, you're going to have a great quarterback and great receivers, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be all on your shoulders. But at the same time, I see what Kerry's talking about. But you're right, Murph. There's not a whole lot of 2025 carry backs anymore. I mean, Adrian nope. Peterson is a uh, is a dying breed with the way they're doing things in the NFL. And then with his situation, <laughs> who knows when Adrian will be back. But, uh, but yeah. That was I mean, some tough shoes to follow right there. I don't know if he want to do that. Yeah, I, so I – who knows? I mean, I, it'll be interesting. I've always, I've always kind of fantasized about him going to Atlanta with with Julio because I don't like the Falcons running back situation. I do think that young kid from Florida State's got a chance to be a Freeman's got a chance to be a pretty good back, and Jacquez uh-huh. Rogers is a good third down back. But Stephen Jackson just kind of seems like to me that he's uh, yeah, he's, he's had a great career. Rope. Yeah, he's, he's had, he's had a great career, him. but he's at the end of his rope, and I was pining for them to to get a a real starter that they could feed 15 times a game. And they went and got yeah. Devontae Freeman, who to me is is just like Jacquez Rogers. I think it fired up yeah. Quiz because Quiz is balling. Quiz looks really yeah, good he's now. Doing a good I job. think that fired him up. But, um, yeah, I've always wanted I've always wanted him to come here to the Falcons as well. I think that would be awesome. I think the blocking scheme would fit him and everything. I think that makes three well, of us. Well, there you go. If yeah. he's mad at Peyton, that's the best way to, if you want to get back at him. He'll be the most hated <laughs> exactly. man in New Orleans. I know Sean Malzahn had some words in the dome, bro. I think you yeah. might have heard about that. Yeah, I, I just hope that that uh, Julio is gonna, who has some panache and pull now. I hope he goes to, I hope he, I hope he goes to uh, to Dimitrov and says, "Look, brother, dude's hungry. He hadn't had that many carries, and he's ready to go. And they can get him for a reasonable price. I mean, he won't demand a lot on the free agent market, and uh, he and he and Julio can open the new place in a couple of years." And, uh, get Not only that, I, I would love for them to bring in Julio. I mean, I love for them to bring in Mark, and I would also love for them to bring in Trey DePriest. Even though I don't think he's that dynamic of a of a player, the way he sheds blocks is just perfect for what they are what they're looking for in their thirty four scheme. They don't have a block shedder on the roster, and they're they're operating with a bunch of wheel linebackers, a four three wheel linebacker trying to play inside linebacker. I think DePriest would be perfect. You may be able to get him somewhere in the third round, fourth round, and also, yeah. but if they really want to go out and get somebody that'll change the plight of their defense. If, if the way they're going, if they have a bad season, look at number 26 there, and that safety. <laughs> they're still struggling with that safety position. Bring in Landon Collins. Yeah, play him off. Not trying to push William him out the door or anything, but if he's there. Yep. Agreed. Yes. But I guess overall, Murph. I mean, I know you've done a lot of studying, and you're going to continue to study it. But what do you what are your what do you think's going to happen in the game Saturday? What's your prediction on the Alabama Florida game? Um, as far as the score, I think it'll be a little, a little closer than people think. I mean, to right. me, this is this is the psychology part of it. I noticed that when teams are like the West Virginia game, I, I put out my preview article before there on Saturday down south. 
Cause like, hey man, these guys do a lot of things that Alabama struggles with, you know. And they have some some really talented receivers, and um, and their and their schemes really up tempo, and and they spread you out a lot. And people are like, oh, that's just a tune up game. That's <laughs> no, it wasn't a tune up game. Those guys came to bring the pain, and um, they did pretty well. And so imagine Florida with the with the horses they have. They have some. They recruit really well, and people aren't 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 thinking about that. These, these guys have five star athletes themselves, and they have they're coached up. They have a great coach, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I'm a big Muschamp fan, and um, yeah, yeah. I think the psychology of it is that they're coming off of that darn Kentucky game, and I think that maybe they may be taken lightly as well. So I don't like when teams are being taken lightly, especially those that are talented. And of course, they're gonna they may have taken Kentucky lightly looking ahead to Alabama. So they don't give Bama all they can handle. I would say um, 24 to 14 is what I'm thinking. And you still like Bama in the game? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll say 24 to 14. Mean, We're not too far off. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, but the thing about seeing Sims and, and seeing what they're going to do it is going to be something different for them because, of course, they're going to press. They're going to press, but, I mean, you can't press and deal with crossing patterns. There's going to be a lot of crossing patterns. Watch it, I guarantee you. And um, he had a lot of those patterns in um, the West Virginia game that he kind of struggled with kind of low sometimes and mm-hmm. behind yeah. sometimes. If he can get those going, I mean, I don't care how great you are as a corner. Vernon Hargraves is the absolute best. He's a top ten pick, everything about him. You know, I play mm-hmm. defensive back, and I, I can tell you a top ten defensive back. That guy is that every bit, every shape, form, and fashion. But – Mm-hmm. It's hard to defend Carson Patterson. and it's hard to defend if they move him around. I'm not sure if they're going to have Vernon shadow shadow Amari, but if they have him at a split in where he's off the line of scrimmage, you can't press the guy. He's going to be able to do your crossing patterns, and those screens, the screens will still be there. I mean, some of the tunnel screens will still be there, maybe inside screens, but you start cheating up a lot. We'll see how good Blake can throw the ball, and I think he can throw a deep ball. He threw one in the um, Southern Miss game. He was just late on it, but it looked like it traveled 55, 60 yards. You remember that? Oh, yeah. First quarter? Uh, We saw him him throw one to Amari in a a scrimmage back in the spring. We know he can do it. It's just a matter of executing. But talking about the middle of the field, uh, could this, Murph, be the week that we see the uh, uncaging of O.J. Howard? Howard? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he's coming out of lost and found there. I think they've located him. I think this is going to have to be – if those – to me, that's your, that's your security blanket right there. Like, if they're going to press, if they're going to play off, why not go to the edges, you know? This guy's, I mean, he's he's on an island. He's like, they're playing off of him. Why not do it? They're doing smoke screens, so it's a check with me. So if it's open and they're playing off, even though it's a run play, he's going to throw that. That's what Kiffin, Kiffin's offense has always been like that. But now if they're playing on, to me, that means that you're going to have your linebacker. A linebacker's going to have to be playing playing on O.J. Howard, and he's going to be a nice security blanket. But it's to me, it's a rhythm and timing offense, and I'm not sure how Howard is running as far as, as, far as his route running. you you got to be there. Somebody like Blake, he looks like he's scared to make a mistake. I wouldn't blame him from the from the crap that he's getting from the fans and the media and stuff like that. So he probably doesn't want to throw an interception, and the only interception he threw was going to O.J. Howard. So I probably wouldn't look there either if I'm trying to win a job, <laughs> which should already be his anyway. But – that's it's true. A probably, it's a Amari, rhythm and timing Amari thing. Did again? If Amari had completed his route on that play, it might have been different. I mean, when it left his hand, Kiffin thought it would be complete. But Amari slowed up on his route and let his guy come over and double. That that kind of screwed that play up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. And, and I believe, and it, and it was, um, I believe they were in a cover three. So it looks like it's man, but it's actually zone. So it was a 
if you look like he was going to be open and the guy wasn't going to be able to help like that, but if you're running zone, it doesn't really, it probably wouldn't even matter if, um, if you're running cover three, it wouldn't even matter if Amari wasn't running hard enough. That That's his zone. Howard was in his zone, so it was a bad throw and it was a, it was a bad read. But I believe before then you had to have been thinking like, Kiffin may have been like, hey, man, you got to get the ball to number 88 there, whatever. And they put it in his mind because he, he looked that off. I put that in one of my articles. He looked that the whole time. So he wasn't even really trying to even look mm-hmm. at a mark. So they yeah, may have been forced. So, yeah, so it's going to be a rhythm and timing thing. It's a, I even put out an article how they can get him the ball, and I was in the same thing with the stack sets, maybe motion him out, have him in the backfield and motion him out and throw him and throw him a screen or, or give him a reverse. There's some You can get this guy the ball. You know, it doesn't have to be a seam route. It doesn't have to be a deep mm-hmm. post or anything like that. Or, you know, he's known for running those crossing patterns like he did in that LSU game last year. But it doesn't have to be any of those. You can get this guy a screen pass or a reverse or something. Just get the ball in his hands. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. But this would be the game that I would think that he's going to have to get something. Murph, uh, since we haven't had you on before, and we, we do appreciate you coming on, could you kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your background, for your playing career, your your you know, your – field of study all that okay um i played coming up and um i was kind of a knucklehead so i kind of relaxed on football and got more into music and stuff like that but after a while i got the itch to play again so i got jumped into some semi-pro leagues and played a few years of semi-pro and we traveled all around and it was some hard some hard knock stuff being scouted by arena leagues and, and different other professional leagues and um i injured my knee so I had to give that back up, and um, I guess it led me to writing about it, which is a little bit safer. But I don't get a chance to hit anybody, and I want to hit somebody here pretty soon. So I'm traveling down to the SDS offices this weekend to watch some games, so I might have to lay one of these writers out, <laughs> one of my <laughs> colleagues out or something like that. But um, Chris Walsh is a pretty yeah. big guy. I think he can take it. Who's that? <laughs> Chris, Chris Walsh is a pretty big guy. Just uh, like oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've met Chris Walsh. He's a pretty big guy, but I'll lay his ass out too. <laughs> I hear you. But <laughs> I've been watching Fortin Loud, man. It's pretty deep. Talking about arena ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> that stuff. You talk about oh, some, yeah, man, just semi-pro in general, man. It's like all it is is you're just teeing off on each other in practice. It's like what else do you have to lose? So everybody's just so laying each other out and getting concussions and stuff like that. So it's pretty physical. But yeah, but from that, man, I just. I just kind of um, went out about the writing thing, and it happened pretty quick for me. I haven't even been writing just now. I've been writing for a, a full year, and I've already worked at um, SB Nation and Bleacher Report. And um, I was at, uh, I went back to Bleach, um, SB Nation, and it's when I wanted to um, try college. And I got right. on that Roll Bama Roll. And then from there, I um, linked up with Alabama Intel's, where I met the great Drew D. Armand. Yeah. And, from there, um, Saturday down south, follow me, and it's my full time home right there. So here I am at Where you Murph, living SDS. Now? I live in Atlanta. Okay, my former home. Okay, yeah. what part of Atlanta you lived in? I played for Stone Mountain High School. Oh, Stone Mountain! We weren't worth a damn. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. had fun. Yeah, okay. I, yeah I'm in Gwinnett. Grew up in Montgomery, and then I moved to uh, we moved to Atlanta. I guess ninth grade. And uh, then back to Bama for college, and uh, mm-hmm. then later on returned and did uh, did some work over there, and uh, lived in gosh, lived in Tucker for a while, lived in uh, Swanee for a while, Doraville for a go. while. Hey. I think I've been everywhere, but 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 Cobb, I think. Everywhere but Cobb. All right, you did a lot of frequenting and go net. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, my uh, nephew is the long snapper this year for Lanier. Oh, okay. Well, and I'll awesome. be traveling over there in just a few weeks to uh, watch their game against Gainesville, Blake's old home. Okay, yeah, I've covered Gainesville for a local paper here before. You talk about some Good. high school football, man. Speaking of recruiting, um, Drew, what about my man um, Adonis Thomas? He lives right down the street. Oh, oh yeah. familiar he's with a him, big-time right? guy. He, he's going to be at the game Saturday. Uh, he's he's a Gator commit, man. He, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama wanted him badly still or recruiting him. Um, I still think if, if Coach Muschamp turns his deal around, gets to a bowl game and can win about eight ball games, I think it's definitely possible. I still he'll probably sign with the Gators. Uh, Will did a great job with he and his mother, but Alabama tried to come in there and steal him. But you know, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban will keep working him. But I mean, I still think there's a very good chance he goes to Florida. I, and, and there's a lot of good players like Byron Cowart and uh, Martez Ivy. You know, Will's got a chance to have a really good class this year if he can, you know, have a good year. So that's why it was so pivotal for them to get out of Dodge against UK because if they had lost that football game coming to Tuscaloosa, you're talking about a lot of pressure being on Will, you know, early, not being mm-hmm. in the swamp against the Wildcats. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play Saturday. That's a great point, man. You're familiar with the kid um, from um, Cary's Neck of the Wood there and Tucker, um, Jonathan Ledbetter? Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's we've had him on the show. We had him, had him on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was on this. Yeah. He's on your show. We usually thought he was going to Alabama. We had him on band. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah I saw him on TV last week. Strong. Man, the kid is an animal. He's an absolute animal. Yeah, he would a... be so perfect. Like, um, I don't, I really don't see where he would play at at Georgia. I guess he would be a five technique in there at thirty-four. But the way Bama's moving to those even front alignments, man, he would be perfect for a four-man front at Bama playing a three technique. Just let him penetrate. Yep, hey, he would have been great animal. for our dish. There's no doubt about it. And so Murphy he, he can't be flipped. How, how Mark <laughs> Rick recruits is different than how Nick Saban recruits because Mark yeah. Rick will sign your brother, who's a junior college basketball player, <laughs> yeah. to a basketball yeah. scholarship to a football scholarship, and Mark Rick will sign your sister, who averages two points a game in basketball, to a <laughs> you know, to a, a girls' basketball scholarship. So uh, Saban's not going to do that stuff, you know. Saban <laughs> already had it worked out for Ledbetter's brother to come as an invited walk-on to Alabama. But an invited walk-on, preferred walk-on. Hey, look, yeah, look, get uh, it all. I'll tell you but this. Here comes Mark with the scholarship. You know, I'll tell you oh, this, old you Margaret. Know, we already won one national championship at that point, and we we won two more. But Alabama could have had Keenan Allen and did. He was committed mm-hmm. to Alabama. You know how the freak he is. He would have yeah, been at Alabama, but Alabama would not take his brother as a transfer. Yeah, his brother and his brother ended up going to Cal, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and his brother wasn't yeah. worth a crap. But no, Nick yeah, Saban wouldn't take wasn't him. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was their starter, and he got Je- and he got Jeff Tedford fired. But anyway, yeah. they're just they're not gonna. He wasn't gonna do that. And no matter even with a freak that Keenan Allen was, and and I'll be Man, honest, I would love to have seen that. I know. I mean, I, I, I've been evaluating and or just following more likely following recruiting for 20 years, and Keenan Allen's one of the best players that I've ever seen on film. He he, he could have been an All-American safety. He was a great athlete. I mean, it was spectacular. Oh, and so kid, he would have. I mean, either on either side of the ball, he would have been an unbelievable athlete at Alabama, and we could. And Alabama's offense would have been even more dynamic. The one thing Alabama lacked in 2011 was the number one receiver. And Keenan Allen would have been that guy. Would have been that. That would have been awesome. And and he went to Cal and had a good career. And 
but did not become a first round pick though. He would have at Alabama, in my opinion, and and uh, he but he he's made the most of his opportunity. He was offensive rookie of the year last year. Had a great mm-hmm. uh, rookie year with a, with a, with the Chargers. But you always think about what might have been, and he's one of those guys that I do that with. Man, I can only imagine <laughs> that would have been absolutely yeah, exactly. perfect with him with one small, one small request. Maze. Murph, uh, next next time we have you on. Uh, Fax or email Drew a, a glossary because you you name it all these coaching terms and we don't know everything about what you're talking about. So, oh man, I'm so sorry. You said, I think when you said getting home, I think you meant sacking the quarterback. Yeah, sacking yeah, the quarterback. I, I just never heard it put the way. And you started naming the techniques, and once you get past about a five technique, I'm lost as hell. I ain't gonna lie. You talking about eleven? I'm like eleven. Who's eleven? No, no eleven technique. Just not. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I guess, sorry. Like, I even write like that. I, I, Sometimes I, didn't, I forget to explain it. I so have been in be full gear little... since the fall of '76, so I've, I, and it, it wasn't as complicated back then. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it not was... complicated now. We just make it that way. <laughs> it's really a simple yeah, sport. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it's like the woman behind me at the high school game said a few weeks ago when uh, one of the teams was doing all that fancy stuff where they gather up and it's split out right before they kick the ball off. Yeah, she said. She said is it that serious? <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> is it Trickery, that serious? Huh? I heard people saying that about like Auburn and stuff too. <laughs> is it that serious? Yeah. Guys got to play that weirdo nobody. ball. I mean, the kickoff thing though, I don't fool nobody. Auburn fools a lot of people, but that kickoff thing don't. No, I don't. But anyway, Murph, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We hope you'll uh, join us again in the very near future. And uh, before we let you go, let everybody know, remind them anyway, where they can find your articles. Saturday down south, I cover Alabama and the rest of the SEC. I do one per week on Alabama. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Murph, S-D-S, M-U-R-F-S-D-S. But definitely visit Saturday down south, the best total SEC coverage, and, of course, go to Alabama Intel where Drew's at doing all that stuff he does. Drew's everywhere, man. Every time I turn on a radio station, I swear he's on every single one of them. Well, and sometimes he's on them at the same there, time. I don't know why he does it. He, like, splits well, we off like an amoeba to, or something. We finally taught him how to use his mute button. He's come a million miles these last few months. So I'm real hey, proud of okay. him. I'm, I'm becoming a grizzled veteran with this thing. I've, I've learned how to juggle stuff and do three shows in a day. <laughs> uh, you just kind of have to manage your time. Uh, and it's It's been interesting, but I appreciate all the props, Murph, and it's been great getting to know you and have, finally getting you on BAMs, and we hope you have you be a regular contributor. And we'll definitely be reading your stuff. And, and Please uh, do. We just thank you for coming on, brother, and, and we know you're rising in this business as well, and it's well deserved. And I, it's hard to believe I did not know you'd only been riding a year, man. You've had a you've had a, mm-hmm. a mercurial rise, and it's going to continue to to be on the fast track, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm just trying to be like you and Carrie, man. Even Thomas back there, no, I, I hear you, baby. Emma Mag, Emma Mag is awesome. Thank you. It's Thank awesome, you awesome when setup and everything. Well, Garcia is one of the best in the business, what he does. And uh, Kirk's a grizzled veteran. They just kind of let me hang around for fun. But uh, <laughs> when I see you all Saturday, I'll tell him you're going to take him out. <laughs> all right. Tell him we'll lay him out. Tell him Murph's going to lay him out. And tell him he's gonna still, he has to sign my book afterwards, though. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he writes one like every year and a half. But yes, anyway, he does. Uh, like 18 thanks books. for coming on, Murph. We really enjoyed having you. I appreciate it. You have a good one.
Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Murph Baldwin from Saturday Down South. Uh, very, very uh, knowledgeable fellow. Uh, a little bit above my head on some of those techniques and expressions, <laughs> but uh, it's not funny. It's true. Uh, but well, we are gonna, I knew when he started breaking it down, I was sitting here thinking I was trying to, I was, I was picturing Terry. I was like, he's like, oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he is that kind of guy, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, I know that everybody but me on this show has an iron bladder, but it is time <laughs> to take a, to take a break. And uh, but while we're uh, while we're away, go ahead and call in at seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. That's seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. We are going to take a brief time out and then come back and talk some more football and maybe a tiny bit of basketball you're listening to bams radio on blog talk radio take bama sports radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iphone app with cutting edge features including live broadcast on-demand radio play pause buttons and text connect allowing you to text into shows giving true tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide, all the time. Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Yes, when the music stops, that's usually when I talk. I'm Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com. Already had two great guests tonight, William Redfish Barber of Alabama Intel, and we also had Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South. Uh, Coach Murph Baldwin, I think we should start calling him. But uh, we still have 17 minutes to go on this show, so please feel free to call us at 714-510-3707. And Drew, I'm proud of you, man, because uh, I know how much you love the Alabama basketball program, and today you got a chance to put up a little bit of basketball recruiting info. Yeah, you know, I saw a couple of little blurbs uh, about a 2016 visitor, and then, uh, and then uh, of course, they're going to have Keith Stone come in this weekend as well, 
uh, from Deerfield Beach, Florida. He's a small forward, combo forward that, you know, Florida has been, you know, flirting with. But uh, Alabama will be bringing him in uh, to visit. Uh, and I think uh, – I still think Alabama may be on the outside looking in there. We'll see. Uh, they brought in Dazon Ingram last week from Theodore High School. The visit went well, but he still wants to take, you know, at least three other visits. Uh, he wants to visit UAB on the October the 9th and the 10th. And he's, he had an in-home with uh, Kelvin Sampson in Houston who came to watch him practice. Uh, this past week, and uh, also we've talked about it. Greg Markle in Wichita State, man, they're uh, they're still heavily involved with him. So we'll see what happens uh, now, uh, from here on out. Also, talk about the resurrecting of the Midnight Madness. Coach Grant mm-hmm. uh, normally doesn't believe in, but I think his uh, part of his encouragement from Coach Battle and others to uh, market the program. I think that's coming back this year. There's even one rumor, which is unconfirmed. But there's one rumor they they may actually put up a court on the quad and have students all come out and watch them practice on the quad. I don't know if that's really going to happen. Wow. But apparently it's under discussion with, with uh, portable lights and all that. That part is a little hard to believe. I personally, Drew, if it's up to me, I would have it at Foster Auditorium. Yeah, I would think they would do that and have it at Foster uh I uh, will see. I mean, uh, but I am glad. It seems like Coach, you know, Grant's being a little bit more aggressive in trying to market the program. And uh, the one, you know, drawback with what I tweeted, you know, this morning uh, with the Eli Wright visiting the 2016. He's already been on one visit before, but I think, uh, from what I understand, Indiana's the heavy favorite for him. We'll see. You never know how the recruitment is gonna uh, gonna unfold. But and they you know and then they also offered you know John Collins from Cardinal Newman in Florida one of the better programs in Florida a 2015 forward and then I also had you know they offered a junior college player Luis Montero from uh, Worcester CC uh, you know and he's from originally from uh, Wilbraham Massachusetts and he's another guy it just it's very interesting to me Kerry that they're offering so many 2015s and I still have questions. If, as to whether or not they're going to keep, uh, especially Brandon Austin, with all the guys that they're offering. I mean, obviously they're going to sign four players, I would think. Uh, that's how many scholarships they'll have available. And they have two verbal commitments uh, with Dante Hall and then with Brian Brandon Austin. But it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. And they, I would really hope that they could find another, you know, forward or post player to go with a Dazon Ingram who you hope you can keep in state. That's fair enough. And another guy that we're glad decided to stay in state has called us, and his name is Marty, and he's from <laughs> And what is going on, brother? Hey, guys. Marty hey, guys. Hello, how Marty. are you doing tonight? Great show. We're good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I love uh, Redfish. i tell you what. He brings, a, he, he brings a, a great element to this show. I mean, I, I love hearing what he has to say. He has the compassion, you know, and the passion for Alabama football. I, I really like, you know, you know what what all he has to say every night he comes on here. Yeah, he does a great job and breaks it down well. And now with you get it totally on from both sides of the ball when you had Murph Baldwin on here. He did a nice job giving everybody kind of a look at Florida. And he does – if you ever get a chance to read his articles, Marty, you'll, learn, you'll get a football education because he breaks everything down and – 
he kind of educated us tonight. And I know Kerry was uh, referred to him as Coach Murph Baldwin. That's basically what he is. I mean, he knows football inside and out, and he'll definitely open your eyes as to as to how he can break things down from a film standpoint. He did he had, he had a couple of really good articles on Alabama Intel before he was hired by Saturday Down South, and then recently had a great article on the quarterback situation in Alabama and broke that down really well. He's just a guy that if you have a chance, and that stuff's free content in Saturday Down South, you really need to start reading Murph Baldwin stuff. He does a great job. Uh, I've read it several times. I mean, he, he, he's mm-hmm. a great writer, R- really good. Yep, no doubt. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit over my head and, and trying to follow it, but you know, <laughs> you know, just I'm just a plain old country boy here in Gaston, Alabama, you know. But you know, great, great article she has, and 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 that that you know that website has really you know prospered here in, in the last you know co- in the last year for sure. Let's see, you know, since oh, he's no come doubt. out. Yeah, you know, Chris. I, if you can hire Chris Walsh, he's a quality beat writer, no question. You know, when I knew hey, they'd hit the big time, Marty. I walked over to SEC Media Days uh, this past year, and not too long ago, the Bama Fever at the Galleria closed down, uh, as did half the Bama Fevers in the state because uh, the owner is now deceased. But uh, long story short, Saturday Down South had temporarily rented out the old Bama Fever and set up shop in there covering SEC Media Days. I'm like, dang, uh, (laughs) is it that serious? (laughs) Is it that serious? Yes. Well, I, you know, I think that's awesome. You know, for all these uh, websites and and the the you know positions like that coming online and, and bringing content, I think it just brings so much to you know the knowledge of college football, especially you know the SEC. You know, I think it's a great thing. Another great thing, Marty, would be if we can go ahead and do the participation chart. Do you want to hear it this week? <laughs> Let's do it. I also got a question, you know, about recruiting. If we, if I can get a chance to get it in, sure. Now nah, go ahead. We'll do that first. Uh, is it Kendall uh, Sheffield? You know, is you know, is he is he really a, a possibility for Alabama? Oh yeah, uh, they're heavily involved with him, uh, uh, Marty, and and it was announced this week, and Kerry saw it on Twitter as did I, and John Garcia has been right on top of that. Uh, as far as that situation, but he will visit Alabama last. They will be his last official visit uh, in around in mid December. Uh, he will come in, you know, as Alabama will be in preparation for their bowl game, and uh, he he will he will he is going to be an early enrollee, I believe, as well. So that's why he's trying to get his visits out of the way. So you will see. I mean, Alabama, he's, he, Texas A&M still feels pretty good, but, you know, he, he likes Florida State. Uh, he, I think Baylor is also under consideration, Alabama. And uh, it's going to be an, inter- an interesting recruitment to follow because uh, he, he's his best, he's one of his best friends is Tony Brown. Uh, they're both uh, football and track guys, and Alabama's done a really good job like they did with Tony of selling Coach Waters in the track program. Uh, at Alabama and how much they've improved and put the money into the facilities. And I think Alabama does have a legit shot at Kendall Sheffield. And you always got to feel good about getting the last visit. Sheffield's a quiet kid, doesn't really say much. And he's visited Alabama a couple of times. He was he came in the summer uh, following the opening. And then he also was there for the Arkansas game last year. I don't think he's slated to visit this weekend, but 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he shows up during the season. But he's a he's a young guy. He's also considered in Oklahoma. I, his offer list is top notch, and he's someone that Alabama is very interested in. Well, one one other comment I got to make too. Yeah, uh, what do y'all think about uh, Sean Robinson being as a defensive end instead of the nose tackle? I think he performs a lot better at defensive end, and you know, I, I just don't see him being a nose tackle guy. You know, especially playing against somebody like Florida. You know, what do you think about that? I think against a speed team, a fastball team, hurry up no huddle, I think he's better at nose guard because our other nose guards like Ivory and Lake were too slow. But I think against a team like LSU or even Tennessee that's going to run the ball a lot, I like him better at end. Yeah, I mean, I agree Jerry. I think he can play both. I think he can play both. I think I think you, you you hadn't seen him flash too much yet, Lombardi, but he's getting there. I think he's still coming back from the injury. Hopefully he'll uh he'll he'll put some things together this week uh, against Florida. Uh he he'll definitely be a guy they need to, to be physical and to help, you know, kinda of blow up their interior running game. Murph kind of gave everybody a preview that he thinks their running game is gonna give Alabama some problems. You know, the Alabama is going to need, and I still think they're going to have two linebackers on the field a lot. I'm not, I don't see them going in dime if they're going to stay heavy and try to pound the ball inside. I think Alabama will stay in the nickel and have two linebackers on the field and kind of shade landing down into the box. But, uh, and then just, ho- and then that, but like I told Murph and I agreed, then Alabama's corners are going to have to hold up. And, you know, I think Coach Saban's gotten to the point where he trusts Cyrus Jones and, uh, if, if Eddie Jackson is truly healthy and can hold up against uh, Demarcus Robinson, then Alabama's going to have a good day. The key is going to be though, not to give up big plays vertically <laughs> and be able to slow the Gator, Gator running game down. Pardon me. Hey, well, that, that answered my question. I'll tell you what, I'm ready for participation chart tonight. And, you know, it's been a great <laughs> show, and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank, thank you, man. Mark. Well, Alabama was able to play a season-high 70 kids in the 52-12 to win over Southern Miss. Offensively, the starters on the line left to right were Cam, Ari, Ryan Kelly, Leon, and Austin Shepard. Tight end and scored his first home touchdown, second career touchdown with Brian Vogler. Quarterback, Blake Sims. Uh, halfback, T.J. Yeldon. Uh, X-receiver, Amari Cooper. Z-receiver, Chris Black. Made another start. And the H-back was Kristen Jones as to start the game. Defensively, uh, at one end was Jonathan Allen. At the nose was Sean Robinson. At the other end was Jerron Reed, who's coming on strong. Uh, the Sam linebacker was Denzel Duvall. The Mike was Trey DePriest. And then you started uh, Geno Smith, Jabril Washington, Eddie Jackson, Cyrus Jones, Landon Collins, and Nick Perry, because they opened with a dime. Off the bench, the following guys got into the game, some for the first time, including Jonathan Cook at safety. Uh, Alec Morris, for the first time this year, got some time at quarterback. Uh Tyron Jones had another good game at running back. Uh, Tony Brown saw some quality snaps at corner uh, after Eddie went out. Bradley Sylvie played, as did Cole Mazza, the snapper. Josh Frazier at nose guard. Hootie Jones at safety even came in when the game was in doubt when Landon lost his helmet for a play. Ryan Anderson had another sack. Cam Sims had a drop, but he'll get there. Robert Foster had another catch. Deshaun Hand. Uh, Adam Griffiths still hadn't missed a kick all year. Reuben Foster got in, but he got in when the game was out of hand. He didn't get in during, during the crunch time. Sean Dion Hamilton, same thing, although he did play some special teams, uh, as did Reuben. Uh, we had Ardarius Stewart, 
Jake Coker, of course, played again. J.K. Scott got to kick off the last two times and got one touchback. Uh, that might happen more often in the future. Kenyon Drake, another great game, three touchdowns. Cooper Bateman at Holder. Uh, we still haven't seen Cooper at quarterback yet. Reggie Ragland, who was pretty much invisible, hate to say that. Uh, Maurice Smith played well. Dylan Lee, uh, linebacker and special teams. Derrick Henry, uh, all-key Tenpenny, got flipped but played well. Jared Milburner got in late. Walk on, first time this year on a kickoff, and that is true. Yep. That is correct information. Rashawn Evans, uh, Tyler Owens, same thing, number 38. He got in on the kickoff. Jawson Fowler continues to block well. Michael Nicewander, the fifth-year walk-on from Hoover, got his first career reception. Proud of that young man who beat out McCarron for the backup fullback job. Xavier Dixon flashed again off the end, got a couple of hurries. Uh, Big Shank Taylor, the Internet coaches have deemed him the right guard, but the real coaches have not. Uh, <laughs> Damian uh, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, rather, continues to, to show well. Tim Williams getting more and more snaps every week. DJ Petway, uh, also the invisible man. I don't know what the hell he's been doing. Grant Hill uh, as a backup offensive lineman. Same with Isaac Luatua. Bradley Bozeman, backup center. Dom Jackson got some action on the goal line at fullback before he came in at right tackle. That was interesting. Raheem Falkins, uh, Ty Floyd Smith. Malcolm Faison at reserve tight end. Parker Barano, uh, who lettered last year as a walk-on wide receiver, saw his first action. Uh, O.J. Howard, Brandon Green, Dakota Ball, Darren Lake, and Brandon Ivory. And for Barano, I meant the first action of this season. So, yeah, got in 70. Uh, you won't see that many in the Florida game, probably closer to 60. But it was it's always good for team morale, Drew, when you can get the backups in the ball game. It really is. And yeah, it was good to see him. I was really happy for Nice Wander. He's somebody that has, used to be a tight end. And it's hard to grind for five years and be a walk-on and not get a lot of uh, reps. If he was able to catch a pass and do his job, and you're right, he beat out the more celebrated Corey McCarron uh, for the backup fullback job behind Jalston Fowler. Uh, it's good that he can now tell his kids he caught a he caught a ball in a real game and will hopefully end up lettering this year and uh, and getting a chance to play in a few more games. And uh, you're happy for him. You're always happy. And, and correct, and, and I'm. It, this is correct, though, right? Marlon Humphrey has yet to play in a game, correct? That, right. Marlon has not played in the game. To answer right. the chat question, and I'm told uh, that discussions are underway about the possibility of red-shirting him, right. uh, a, a phrase I thought would never come out of my mouth. Me, I'm sort of surprised about that, too. But at the same time, you know, William Barger brought up a good point. Uh, in his recruitment, he's been such a track-centric kid in high school. He needed a lot of weight room work. Now, granted, he could still be gone in three years after his redshirt sophomore year. But, again, that's just something you have to kind of come decide. It's going to probably it'll, – it'll come down to if Eddie Jackson's going to hold up physically. And it seems as Tony Brown's made some strides. And if they honestly think – they obviously are high on, as far as the, the improvement of Cyrus Jones – if they think Silve can hold up in a backup capacity. And if they do and don't have any more injuries, uh, and they're going to, it looks like Derek will be back shortly, uh, then they may very well hold uh, Marlon out. It'll be interesting. No, it, uh, Bradley Sylvie is a wonderful kid, great young man, but he, he uh, you know, Marlon should be on the second team at the corner. That's just my opinion. Well, and That's I think probably a good thing I'm not getting paid. 
Well, uh, Kerry, he probably would be if he could have done what Tony did. He didn't go through spring. Oh, there's no doubt he'd be on it if he'd gone through spring. But, I, I mean, yeah, I just, we saw him in a scrimmage rake a ball on the sidelines. Uh, Marlon still got it. He just he does need to add some strength. But as far as coverage, oh, he, he has a lot there. Time. Yeah, he has there. a lot more time. And I want to give a shout-out before we sign off. I always like to look at the rosters as they're updated every week in the press box. And uh, many times – the, the roster, first off, the roster in the media guide is, is never complete. It's just not. Uh, it doesn't include the names of certain walk-ons. And there's even guys on the 8A roster that don't make the media guide roster. But the roster is passed out each week in the press box uh, as part of the game notes. Includes some other walk-ons that may not have gotten love and actually probably haven't even, in, in, in the case of this young man I'm about to name, I hadn't even dressed for a game yet. But, Drew, Saturday was the first time I had seen the name, number 82, Thayer Weaver, wide receiver, freshman, 5'11", 170, out of St. Louis, uh, DeSmet High School. So uh, we knew about Gussie Bush of the Bush family. Uh, Obviously, Gussie is short for August. We knew about him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had never seen uh, Thayer Weaver's name, and I just thought that was interesting. but that 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 was I'm I'm gonna start mentioning one unheralded walk on a week on this show because I think they need love. But this week the shout out goes to Thayer Weaver. It was just not a name that's ever been on any kind of Alabama roster before, but it is now. And I did not see him on the sidelines Saturday, but I bet you we see him on the sidelines for Western Carolina, and that's that's a big deal for apparently a true freshman. So good job, Thayer. Way to hang in there. And uh, we're now one minute past the hour. Uh, it's the hour of ten o'clock here Central, eleven Eastern. And we've had a, a, a fun-filled, information-packed, and uh, football terms above my head packed two hours. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap it up unless you've got one more thing you might like to add, Drew. No, I think I was going to say this has probably been the fastest two hours I've ever been involved with, with BAMS Radio. But when you're having a great show and the information's flowing uh, and the conversation's good, I guess that's what happens in radio. But it was a fast show, and... Uh, Thomas Watts. We didn't even have a chance for Thomas Watts to do his breakdown for us. I know. Florida game. Yeah. Yeah. I see. He just got away from us, Thomas. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, Go exactly. ahead and write one up and email it to Drew anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so he will. You. Read that on read that on alabamaintel.com where we now have $50 a year for four, only $4 a month for a year subscription for your Crimson Knowledge. Had to get a plug in. No problem, man. No problem. And uh, that was, you just heard from my co-host, Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, back in the studio. We do have Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and I myself and Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com. Thanks for listening to Pam's Radio on Blotter Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>